Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 381 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. September. It's um it is after Labor Day, so it is like there's no more uh debating. It is we are headed into the fall season. Yes, and my kids are back in school as of like what now, right? Yeah, today. Like, right this moment, yes. Um so definitely finally ready to shift into this kind of conversation which I'm not going to say I've been resisting talking about <laughs> homemaking and things like that. I just, you know, it's it's my house kind of goes to seed over the summer yeah. um, and my routines. And then the last few weeks of August, it's just like, I kind of want to be back on track, but I just can't like the body is willing, but the mind is weak yes. or what <laughs> the other way around. I don't remember which one. Vice versa. No, <laughs> right. I, I totally agree. Um, and what better way to start um, refreshing our fall energy than by opening up our fridge and freezer and talking about what's in them right now. That's what we're doing today. I'm really excited. That is the kind of basis for this episode. We are opening up our fridges and our freezers for you all today and kind of using what's in them to talk about all kinds of things from uh, the state of eating and drinking in our homes right now, kind of the story that what's in the fridge tells about like what season of life you're in. Plus some fun things like maybe a product recommendation or two, um, how we use our backup or our garage fridges. We have a whole bunch to talk about, but it's starting with this literal image of what's in our fridge. I also just want to point out that I almost balked at doing this topic at all because <laughs> you sprung this on us like I don't like a day before we were going to record. And I think I wasn't really listening or, or maybe I just didn't think it through when you first suggested the idea. You're like, we'll take pictures of the insides of our fridges and then we'll send them to each other. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. And then I opened my fridge and I was like, wait, you want me to what? You want me to take a picture of this? 
Um, so I got over myself and I did, uh, take a picture of the inside of my fridge, both of my fridges, but it did take me a moment of going, Oh my gosh, am I really ready for this? Well, and the idea evolved. Yeah. And that is totally fair. We always laugh this time of year. Your kids really do return to school later than mine. So sometimes I'm like, I'm already in this mindset of like getting back on track with meal planning and grocery shopping and all the things. And you're like, um, I am not there yet. I am still summering over here. So I had full compassion for you, but also the idea evolved a little bit because I really did think we were going to remember that episode we did where we looked at what was in our purses, our bags. Yeah. And those are always fun. Like literally what's in your purse right now. And, and that was kind of how this started is like, what's in our fridge right now. And as we as we chatted, it evolved a bit, but we do have plenty to share about what's actually in our fridge. And we do have some photos that will make their way into the show notes and probably onto Instagram this week. Um, but I would say this episode doesn't require a photo companion, but if you are dying to see inside our refrigerators, we will provide that opportunity. So, um, Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, Sarah. So for the first half of this episode, we decided that we were each going to just like 
pick out a few things that jumped out at us that we wanted to each talk about. So um, I guess I'll go first because the one that is like most prevalent and I feel like takes up the most room and has maybe been one of those things that I have a love-hate relationship with is my big vintage Pyrex dish. Um, I bought a bunch of matching Pyrex like from the I want to say this is a late fifties, early sixties pattern. Okay. It's a really pretty blue. I think it's a Cinderella or the snowflake. I'll, I can't remember which one. I'm this looking is exactly, at it. But I can That's look why it the photos are handy. Yes. So I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I bought, I, I managed to get an entire set before the Pyrex, like the vintage Pyrex phase free. Uh, sorry. Craze craze really took off. So it's very hard to find now complete sets. And I did collect a complete set and it was not insanely expensive. And I love the way it looks in on the shelf. Like I love the way it looks on display. Mm -hmm. It's also very handy because it's great. Like I can, you can cook in it. You can put leftovers in it. I like to serve in it as a leftover transportation (laughs) vehicle. It just doesn't work that great because I immediately forget what's in it. So the funny thing is I took that picture and thought, I just made the meal that's in there yesterday and (laughs) cannot remember what it is. So if there's, and it's heavy, like it's really heavy. The lid is very heavy. So if there's anything piled on top, which often there is in my fridge, because often there's just a lot going on. I have no idea what's in there. So then I have to pull everything off of it and like peek into it. And then like, oh, right. Hot roast or whatever. Um, I still don't know what's in there. I never did look. I mean, by now, since it was two days ago now, I, I need to reheat it, whatever it is. And I think it might've been like, it actually may have been pot roast now that I think about it, um, which it was not, would not be unusual for me to have multiple pot roasts like right. being reheated at a time. But it's just one of those things that's like, and then when it's in the fridge, it's not out being looked at. Right. It's in the yeah. fridge. So it kind of is never serving the purpose. It can never serve both the purposes I want it to serve at once. And it doesn't actually serve the leftover purpose as nicely and as neatly as I'd like it to. It also looks like with the rounded sides and like the slightly oval or like almost um, like tear, not teardrop, but with the shape of the lid and stuff, you could stack stuff on top of it, but it's not a rectangle, which means you're going to lose some space efficiency as you like put other things around it. Um, It is so pretty. And the lid also, and it doesn't fit, um, completely like tightly either like the newer ones Mm -hmm. would maybe so it can also get like if you put something else on top it can easily kind of get pushed over just a little bit and lets air in which isn't a big deal if it's just like a pot roast overnight or something but it is really pretty and I do have now some newer um Pyrex glass dishes that you can see through that have like the rubber snap-on lids which work way better honestly for uh leftover storage but then the lid can't go in the oven. So I'm always kind of going back and forth. Like, you know, I don't know. Is there any perfect solution when it comes to this sort of thing? Probably not. So just to clarify, you could pull that out if it had pot roast and put it in the oven. Can you put it on the stovetop or no? No. Okay. So oven safe. Got it. Yeah. Oven safe. Okay. I love being able to see this. So listeners, we will absolutely include in the show notes and on social so you can see too. I will throw out one caveat that I have heard that there is a time period of Pyrex where they didn't make the glass the same way. Okay. And if you take it out of the fridge and it's really cold and you put it right into a hot oven, it can explode. Oh. I have not had that problem. This stuff is really old and I think it's the good stuff. 
but I know that that was a problem for a while. Okay. So I don't want to make it sound like anybody could do that with any Pyrex. It's worked fine with mine. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Well, my first thing that I want to shout out is actually a product recommendation. This was very exciting. Um, it is a Trader Joe's product and it is called their cold brew coffee bags. And what these are is they look like giant tea bags. They come um, in, there's four of them, but you, you're you supposed to use two at a time. So it's really just two times you could make cold brew. And if you're not familiar, cold brew coffee just brews, um, it steeps in cold water, usually overnight or for an entire day. So the same idea as like making iced tea. But the twist is I have never loved Trader Joe's coffee products, especially trendy coffee products, like things like cold brew or single serve coffee in a can. I just don't care for the taste of, of what Trader Joe's has done to those things. And I'm kind of just like a, I'm like a regular brew, a regular pot of coffee person. I don't tend to go for like newfangled trendy things, but Brian brought these home and I was like, I'm probably not going to like it. And we made it anyway. (laughs) Um, and so what you can see in my fridge is actually a jar, a large jar full of cold brew coffee. Um, and that will last in the fridge for a couple weeks. Like I really only like iced coffee in the afternoons if it's genuinely warm outside. Um, so uh, it will just sit in the fridge for a couple weeks and you can pour it over ice. You can add milk. You can add, if it's too strong, some cold brews are like a concentrate. So you want to thin it out with water. I don't add water to this one cause I don't find that it got very strong to begin with. So, um, yeah, it's a major recommendation, uh, Trader Joe's cold brew coffee bags and you stick two of them in a big thing of water and you will have cold, uh, coffee for iced coffee for a, a while. Well, Clara has gotten really into cold brew, so I Ooh, should nice. look into this. Yeah. I don't know the difference because I don't drink coffee, but I I hear that there's a lot. People have very strong preferences. Yes. So. Yes, they do. Well, the next one that pops into mind for me and has been a source of frustration for me is so this the fridge that um, we currently have came with the house and this is the kitchen fridge. I also have one in the garage. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but it came with the house that I currently live in and it's old. It's probably 20 some years old and it's a, it's a KitchenAid. So I know it's like well-made and stuff and it's actually the kind of thing, like the era of fridge that I really like, which is when they were just like big rectangles, they weren't Mm -hmm. fancy. There wasn't a lot taking up space inside. It's just like, it's kind of, you can, it's modular almost like you can use it however you want. You can move the shelves around, but there's not like big drawers they're so specific and there's not things telling you how they should be used. And right. we'll talk a little bit more about that sort of thing um, in the second half about how I get kind of grumpy about fridges who try to do all the thinking that yes. try to do all the thinking for me. But I did think, well, maybe I should get some fridge organizers because then it would make my fridge life more organized. So I bought like a couple of those acrylic, yeah. you know, cr- a clear acrylic containers I got a couple that are supposed to hold things like stacked up, um, one for the freezer, one for the fridge. And I have one that's just like an open thing that I thought I would try to keep all my like things together. So for a while I was putting all my oatmeal supplies because I always do like chia seeds and hemp hearts and I would keep all that stuff in there. And I just realized that it was taking away all the flexibility that I liked in the big fridge without actually adding a whole lot of value. Yeah, yeah. And so you can see in the lower left side of my Uh fridge that I've got stacked up lunch meat. And 
It's nice, except if anybody wants to put anything else in, that yeah. lunch meat gets shoved to the back and then nobody knows where the lunch meat is. Yeah. So then they're telling me we don't have any and it turns out it's shoved <laughs> in the back. And it also takes up a lot of vertical space. So yeah. now you can't stack anything on top of that. I just feel like it's kind of solving a problem that maybe wasn't a problem. Maybe right. that and little it's... meat drawer is fine. I just need to keep it cleaned out. You know, And so. it's not allowing for the inevitable flexibility you need if you just right. if you shop different or cook different. Um, I, I totally agree. I think we we have we haven't gotten any of those fridge organizers. And in part, it's because we often have like one or two odd shaped or large things. And we're constantly yeah. like re tetrising around the configuration of the fridge. I do have a lazy Susan in my fridge. That's didn't even make my list that has been useful for small jars. That's the only like mm. additional piece of, um, organizing, I don't know, apparatus that we have added. Right now. I feel like if we had a big pizza box, the only place I'd be able to put it, well, Right. Okay. I'm looking right now, maybe on top of the milk and juice, which is a fool's errand. Right. Would have um, to just balance there. Possibly when I figure out what to do about all the eggs that we've got coming in, I think that's going to be a job for the garage fridge. That side could kind of get shoved down a little bit and then pizza box could go there. But right now there really wouldn't be a place for something like that. Yeah. Something big or like a lot of takeout containers. Like yeah. where would they even go? Yeah. And this is not a small fridge. It's one of, it's the one where the, um, the freezer's on top. Okay. Which I like that layout, but I don't, you'll see when you look at my freezer pictures, I don't really utilize the freezer very yeah, much. I noticed so it always feels like a bit freezer. of wasted space yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. I just don't buy a lot of frozen food. So anyway, we'll get into my freezer in a minute. There's some hoarding going on. <laughs> um, but my next, um, the thing that jumped out at me next is also in a jar and this became a theme. I just went with the theme. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is a little bit of a domestic fail on my part. I was feeling very motivated the other day. I was going to make uh, the banana bread recipe that I make frequently. So frequently, I've probably shared the recipe on the podcast. I can share it again. Um, but I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pre-mix the dry ingredients like three times so that um, next time we have squishy soft bananas, it's just one less thing. Like then I will just need to add yeah. the bananas, the butter, the lemon, ours has lemon juice. It doesn't have any eggs. Um, and then everything else will be mixed together. And I had this moment where I was like, you know, I know when you do that, you're not supposed to add the sugars because sugar isn't really a dry ingredient, even though it acts dry and crumbly. Sometimes it's, it's goes with the butter. Usually I know all this, mm -hmm. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to put the brown sugar in with the flour. There's flaxseed meal, there's baking soda, baking powder, salt, and there's some chocolate chips. And it looked all cute in a jar, just like if you were going to gift it to somebody. In fact, Brian was like, are you giving those away? I'm like, no, it's for us. Like, aren't I cute and domestic? Well, then I put those in the fridge because um, the flaxseed meal that we use in this recipe does, I think it is supposed to be refrigerated. So then when Violet and I went to make banana bread using this pre-prepared jar, the brown sugar was literally like a hockey puck. And this, I am not new <laughs> to baking. Like I know what brown sugar does. I just, for some reason thought, well, it's, it's just going to be so easy. I'll dump it out and we'll mix it all together. And so Violet and I had a good laugh. We did, we were able to like, just with our elbow grease, like just stamp it, you know, like break it up, but mm. it was hard as a rock. So next time I do that. I will leave out the brown sugar and that will need to be added with the squishy bananas and the other things. I think it was still worth it. There's something about not having to do the baking soda, baking powder, salt, flour, and having that pre-mix that just feels like a little high five from my previous self. So 
I think I will continue to make up a few batches of the banana bread dry ingredients, but I will not include the brown sugar sugar out. Yeah. I'm almost wondering if there's any way to, I mean, it would be way too extra to try to like mix the separate components separately and then combine. I don't feel like there'd be, you wouldn't actually probably be saving any time doing that. And it would probably stop being cute. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like a bunch of sludge in a jar, like a bunch of wet ingredient sludge probably isn't as cute. But I wonder when you buy those mixes at the store where all you have to add is like eggs and water or eggs and oil, mm-hmm. how they've gotten around that. And it's probably just like preservatives and yeah, I don't know the ingredients that keep everything separated. Yeah. Because sugar is you, whatever sugar is usually part of those. Cause you're usually adding yeah. egg and water or egg and right. oil. You don't have to yeah. add the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe it's not brown sugar. Yeah. It's probably just a chemical. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, as you can see, I, I have an egg bonanza. Um, I hope people listened last week when we talked about chickens and kittens or two weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. And I, um, I guess all I have to say about that is it's slowly starting to become an issue like for a long time. And that's just the ones I had put in the fridge. I also have a bucket or a basket full of them on my countertop. And so every day now I'm getting between 10 and 12 eggs. Yeah, that's a lot. And we eat probably six a day, which is a lot. Like we're having to kind of hurry to keep up. So at some point we're going to hit a tipping point where it's going to be like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, We're not there yet. And I do think that our garage fridge is going to be the perfect place to just start shifting, like shifting some of those things out there. It'll be like our little working farm fridge, I guess. Yeah, That's where I'll put all the goat's milk too when I get goats. Right? <laughs> do you have to um worry not worry is the wrong word. Do you have to be mindful of like first in first out with the eggs or are you going through them fast enough that it doesn't really matter? So, we're going through them fast enough right now that we don't it doesn't really matter and eggs can last a, a yeah. surprisingly long time yeah. if they haven't been washed in particular because they have this thing, this substance on them that the hen emits. Okay. Called the, the bloom. So, once you wash that off, they do have to be refrigerated. Before it's washed out, they don't even really have to go in the fridge and they yeah. can sit on the counter for weeks. So um, the thing that I'm more that I'm more picky about right now is if there's any little crack or imperfection in the shell, I feel like that egg has to be scrambled or yeah. hard boiled. And yeah. um, because the chickens poop everywhere and then their poop gets all over their mm-hmm. eggs. And mm-hmm. I haven't really figured out how to necessarily keep any of the poop from going in yes. to the shell. I'm, I'm with so you. I'm careful with them. But like, if there's one that's got a little crack in it, either that's getting the, it's getting, you know, cooked at a very high temperature and, or it sometimes just gets back. It goes back to the chickens. Yeah. Yeah. I, kick, I cook it and I feed it back to them. Oh, okay. So and they love them. Yeah. There's like, apparently there's a lot of um, debate about whether you should do that because if they get a taste for their own eggs, then they will start to deliberately eat eggs and then they have to die oh my or grow away. Yeah. Because they will become egg suckers. <laughs> but I then read that as long as if they're cooked, that won't happen. And if it doesn't, re- if they don't recognize it as an egg, that's not likely to happen. Oh my so. gosh. I just had never even gone down the mental path of like any of what you just said, like feeding chickens yeah. eggs. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I noticed that I had a jar theme. So I've talked about cold brew in a jar. Premixed banana bread 
dry ingredients in a jar. And so then I just decided to stick with it. But this is actually an interesting one to call out. Um, and in the main picture of my fridge, Megan, you can see it. Um, it is a jar on the bottom shelf of pickled onions. Um, and Brian <laughs> does the pickling and we use pickled onions. So um, I don't know how often he does this, but we use them um, in tacos and salads and sandwiches. And um, I could link up the last recipe that Brian used. He used he usually just like Googles it real quick. But you and I don't like pickles, Megan, and we don't like capers. But I can do mm. a pickled onion um, just like it just like tangy. And it doesn't taste like a pickle to me. So while I don't enjoy pickles or capers or gherkins or anything like that, um, I do like having a pickled onion as part of a sandwich or a taco. And so we make those and keep them in the fridge. Well, I mean, I sometimes have to service my kids' pickle needs. So yeah. I think I probably have a couple jars of pickles, but I would not touch them with a 10-foot pole. Um, I don't even like to smell. Like, I don't even like the smell of the brine when you no, first open the jar. Me neither, I do it like away from my face. Yeah, me too with pickles. <laughs> but the onions feel different to me. And something huh. about the... Um, pickling them at home. It's not, it's not like, it's not, not like a pickle. So I was for a little while really freaked out by like any kind of pickled vegetable. It's very, you know, and it's very stylish or in trend right now to have like a pickled little relish on yeah. your anything. It could be on a salad, on a sandwich. And for a while, I thought that would taste like a pickle yes. and it really doesn't. It's right. a much different, it's like a sweet and sour mm -hmm. and sometimes more than yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, a little like a well, vinegary, but not in the way that a pickle is. So I'm, I'm on the yeah. same team as you. I do not like pickles, but I am OK with these pickled onions, especially in tacos or on top of taco or taco salad. So have um, you ever had pickled ginger? I have as part of something. Now I can't remember what. Yeah. Does it usually come with sushi? Oh thing? yeah, that's yeah. pickled ginger. Oh right, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. What about pickled eggs? No, that sounds bad to me. It does sound bad, and i I've seen I've seen them served in the weirdest places, like at bars, uh -huh. <laughs> things like that. I'm just like, no, yeah, no, thank you. But maybe I would pickle them for my kids. They might really like that. And I do need to do some stuff to get, you know, yeah, to get, to get rid of some eggs. Yeah, to get some egg movement going. Well, we we got um pickling cucumbers in our last couple farm boxes and I really like cucumbers but I do not like pickles and I guess these are the cucumbers that you make pickles with so Brian made those as well and those are also in a jar but I they weren't going to be what I talked about <laughs> are they like the little um, bumpy ones yeah they're they're like fat yeah. and bumpy and short um and I don't I mean, it feels like a ruining a good cucumber but I actually don't know what they taste like without being pickled I never I never got to experience. I think they taste similar to a regular cucumber. If I remember, there's like they look maybe a little denser. I don't okay. really remember. It's been a long time since I've really handled a pickling cucumber. But remember that I told you about this was before I knew you. Um, I went through my big canning phase yeah. with Jenna. Yeah. And we did a ton of canning and we did end up making like bread and butter pickles, I think, or okay. they were the kinds where you slice them like, like into circles. rounds. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought those were okay. They had a much fresher flavor. Like they just didn't taste like the way like a Vlasic pickle in a yeah. jar. Yeah. They didn't have the same taste. They were like a brighter, sweeter. Um, I just, I liked them better. I, I still wouldn't say, well, we didn't go through all 20 jars or whatever that yeah. we did. 
but they were fun to have on hand. The kids liked them as a nice little treat and I didn't despise them. How about that? Well, I can see that. And I, it's almost like there's a continuum because if I, have you ever had a cucumber salad that has a very vinegary dressing or mm-hmm. um, so, and I like a bright cucumber salad and I, I can almost see how that would like then start to move across the continuum to like a very lightly home pickled, you know, yeah. like almost pickle. So yeah, I, I can see that. And I think that's how I feel about the onions as well. They don't, they're, they do, yeah. are not too pickly. I didn't mean to derail all your talk about pickled onions to, uh, to, uh, talking about actual pickles, but I just I mean, help myself. <laughs> now we'll get, we'll get emails about how good pickles are. And we're just not, I'm sorry, we're not on board. Um, but I was going to say before I kick it back over to you, I'll just mention that all three of these things were in the exact same jar and the jars themselves are Costco olive jars that we used to get years ago. But what's funny is Brian moved away from putting olives. He used to put olives in vodka and like have that as a cocktail once in a while. And so we would go through these olive jars and I would keep them and I'd wash them out and I'd make sure they did not taste like olives because also I don't like olives. Um, And they became like my storage jars because they're they're tall and smooth and uniformly shaped. They store and um, really nicely either in the pantry or the fridge. Um, And we have not gotten a new one in years, but I still probably have 10 of them in circulation. So when you see the pictures, those are all old Costco olive jars and they're great. I I will I'll use other jars, too. And if I get like a really good pasta uh, sauce jar, I'll save that. But these have been my favorite for repurposing. Well, you know, I shared recently that I have a really hard time getting rid of what I consider good jars. Yes. Oh, me too. Um, good bottles, good jars. Like I just, it's yeah. really difficult for me to part with them. So hmm. maybe the jars that I've, maybe I need to think outside the box because that's the thing. I think that I want to use the jar for a purpose similar to what the jar was originally used for, uh, but I need to be, I need to be a little more creative, Yes, I think. Yeah, like banana bread in an olive jar. <laughs> exactly. Who would have thunk? Okay, well, the last thing I wanted to talk about, the last thing I really need to talk about right now to get off of my chest <laughs> is um, I obviously, by looking at the photos, you can tell that I'm very much underutilizing my garage fridge. And I'm really just not used to having one. Again, it came with the house. I didn't even think about the fact that we had it for like the first four months that yeah. we lived here. And then Will had his graduation party and I was like, oh, this is so convenient. Like we can put all the drinks in here and his huge cake went in there. And then this week I opened the freezer to the outside fridge and realized that someone had stored all the extra hamburgers and buns uh-huh. up there. I had no idea they were up there. I was like, wow, Bonanza. Those are Costco, like free range, organic, yeah. uh, grass fed. <laughs> burgers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Burgers. I don't know if they're free range. They're grass fed. Anyway, so that's great. Didn't know I had that, but it kind of made me laugh. I'm looking in there now. So the, the garage fridge has become sort of like default beverage storage. Sometimes when I think to use it for that, and when it's a beverage that I don't mind walking outside sometimes in bare feet to mm-hmm. get. So yeah. if it's something I really want to have in the house, it doesn't often end up out there, but um, I keep like my... um like if I have right now, I've got spin drift out there and mm-hmm. I, I have like these, um, good Pellegrino, like blood orange yeah, uh, that I would just use every now and then to make like a cocktail. I don't drink those. They're too sweet to just yeah. drink, you know, just regularly. Um, I've got a couple of sheet bottles of wine that got 
you know, three quarters of the way finished at that party that I then just left in there because I thought, well, maybe someday someone will come over and want some really crummy Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, why wouldn't they, you know, a half a pour of really crummy Sauvignon Blanc. That will be just what I'd like to yeah. keep on hand for guests. So that's in there. I just know that by looking at how relatively crammed my indoor fridge is and how empty my outdoor fridge is. Oh, and yeah. right now there's corn in there. Cause I literally couldn't fit the sweet corn anywhere uh-huh. in my normal fridge. So I'm wondering if you have any tips well, about that. No, because I mean, I will tell you how we use ours. The photo of my garage fridge right now, which is the one with two drawers open. Um, it's like the double door top and the two drawer freezer bottom. It's much fuller than it usually is. So it's a little deceptive. Brian just went to Costco and we only go to Costco now like twice a year. We really don't. So there's a lot of extra bread. We do keep bread in the refrigerator. Um, just so that we can have a lot on hand and then not worry about it going moldy or whatever. It doesn't stay quite Mm -hmm. as soft and fresh, but usually we're toasting it. So that kind of is canceled out. So our garage fridge is not unlike what you're talking about. It's beverages that we're not having all the time. Um, I'll move juices out there because I don't really, my kids don't really drink juice all the time. So there might be juice. There'll be backup milk or almond milk or oat milk. Um, if we have sodas or like canned seltzers or wines or whatever, those would go out there. Extra butter, extra eggs. What you're seeing right now is a lot of like, like the duplicate of everything else. So right now it's a little bit more like we could survive for a month without going to the grocery store again. It doesn't always look like that. And then in the freezer out there, because we use butcher box for our proteins, the freezer in the garage is usually filled with proteins. And it's not really my department. It's kind of Brian's that he puts it away. He often is the one to kind of, we, we meal plan together, but then he will get something out and thaw it and he'll move it into the regular house refrigerator to thaw something over the course of a day. But the, the tricky parts that you're speaking to is forgetting what's out there. Um, or we are guilty of going to the store and not checking, like buying another half gallon, gallon of milk and not checking if we had one already, um, in the garage fridge. So there is, it's not, we are not um, perfect in that arena either, but it is really nice to have. Um, I am so, we had one in our last house too, except for when it would break. Like we went through a few years where it like would break on and off. Um, But to have it is wonderful. So I'm just thinking I could be really strategic and what I'm actually thinking that I could do, and this would take a little experimentation to see if it would work is to keep things out in the fridge that are only things that I need for meal prep, mm-hmm. but that aren't meals yet. Yeah. And the indoor fridge to be all the things I want the kids to have easy access to like yeah. fruit and lunch um, packing and leftovers. Lunch meat. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. And then have it more like the outdoor fridge is just my domain to meal plan out of. Yeah. I think that could work really well. The other thing I wanted to just make a note of is I know how weird my indoor freezer is. Um, I am the biggest freezer underutilizer and it's weird. I don't like what's in there. It's so sad. So it's just like some meat. That's a, that's a pork shoulder. I have a, um, old school ice, like an ice, uh, ice tray because when we moved in, I thought the ice maker in the fridge was broken. And I just assumed I've had a string of old fridges and I, I just got used to the ice makers never working. Right. Yeah. Well, I realized that little metal thing has to oh, be down. Yeah. It's just, you just put or it down it or up. Work. Yeah. I've yes, even I put fridge, it down and then it I, worked. I had a fridge where it said it was supposed to be down. It was like backwards. So whatever it said it was supposed to be, we learned that it had to be the opposite. Oh, and I've even so had funny. some newer fridges where the ice maker 
was not super reliable. So I think yeah. having a, a safety backup ice tray is not a bad idea. We definitely have some. I just feel like the freezer is being not utilized correctly. And then um, Eric actually asked me last week, he said something like, who's the ice cream eater in your house? Cause I'm, I'm not a big ice cream eater. And he said, I just noticed you always have ice cream. And I said, no, that's the same ice cream. <laughs> We've had that ice cream in there forever. And then they're behind it. There's one that's like the lid is off and it's only like a quarter inch of melted and refrozen ice cream at the bottom with a spoon stuck in it. I think so I don't know throw who, that away. I'm sure I could, but it's kind of the principle of the thing. Like who did this and why? So anyway, I just wanted to comment on that. I actually think you're, Freezer looks like it's got like you've actually got food in it. Well, like it could be you could dig into it if you needed to and, and eat. We could. We're going to get into like food guilt and judgment against ourselves in the second oh, half. So we're going to judge you on this. Okay. Well, no, but I sometimes can judge myself <laughs> about the amount of like pre-prepared things I have in my freezer, like store-bought freezer convenience foods, and which you do not have. So, you know, there's like many ways you can slice and dice this, but. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keeps pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, Megan, let's talk about our the fridges we have, the fridges themselves, and whether we have either a favorite feature. You've already talked a little bit about preferring old school, like big rectangular fridges without too many bells and whistles. But if you have a favorite 
feature or something that just drives you bonkers. And mostly I want to ask this question so I can talk about the favorite feature I've ever had in a refrigerator. And that is my fridge has a water pitcher that it fills up for us. So sort of like a, it looks kind of like a Brita pitcher or something like that. Um, and you sort of dock it or insert it into the fridge and it fills up with filtered drinking water. And then you can pull that out. And I just put it on the dinner table, put it out when the kids um, are having a snack. I fill water bottles with it. And as soon as you pop it back in, it starts filling up again. So we actually do not have a water uh, dispenser like the fridges where you, you know, where you fill up a glass of water. Sometimes it's on the outside. Sometimes it's on the inside. We don't have that. Instead, we have this like permanently full pitcher of water built in and it is worth whatever we paid for it. It's like, it's my favorite. (laughs) I think that sounds amazing. Um, I, like I alluded to have had, I've had a lot of fridges over the years and I've had a real love hate relationship with the features in some of the nicer, well, I'm putting nicer in quotes, like the more high end fridges. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes they don't actually try those out. Like the design hasn't been really proven. They're like, well, I know what people want these days. What they want is for the, for example, the water dispenser to be inside. Well, um, Eric has a really nice, like higher end fridge with the water dispenser on the inside of the left. So it's um, like a French door fridge. Yeah. And the dispenser is in like the crack. I don't yep. really know how to no, describe I, it. It's like right up in the same. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. You have to push so hard yes. mm-hmm. to get the water to come out that if I have, if I have like a sore finger, I can't do it. Well, and, and I know this you because have to leave I actually had a mildly sore. Yeah. And you have to leave the door open and I have to use like all of my strength yeah. in my hand. I had a sore wrist from a yoga injury last year and could not use his dispenser because I couldn't operate with my left hand. Um, because of where it's placed, Mm -hmm. like there's just no way to kind of get at it with my left hand. So I just couldn't get water out of his fridge for a really long time. I just thought that was ridiculous. And another fridge that I had at one point had so many drawers and special places to stick things that it was like, if you didn't use it exactly the way it was, they wanted you to use it. It was almost unusable. Plus all of those individual drawers and compartments would get filthy because I would have little Mm -hmm. kids you know, dropping juice in them and crumbs. And so you'd have to take the whole dang thing apart. Mm-hmm. There was no just like wiping the shelf down. Right. Everything had to come out. So I guess I feel like I just want to have a plea to, and I know that I live in a town that is run by, um, by appliances. Oh. <laughs> and I understand the pressure to like, keep up with the next fancy thing um, and have things that people are going to get excited about and smart fridges and all that. And I feel like don't try to be smarter than me. Like you don't have to do all of my thinking for me. Sometimes I just want, how about just cold? Yeah. Like I just want it to be cold. Cold And not for me to have to like set it, I guess. And reliable because the more smart features you have, the more like software programming and stuff has been involved. And that is just opportunity for something to go haywire where like very expensive things. Yes. And things that become obsolete. I have seen Mm -hmm. this in, in smart homes and things with, you know, a lot of smart systems. It's, it's a double-edged sword. And it's like, I think you just have to go in with full knowledge of what happens when this stops working. Um, and like old school fridges would last when we moved into this house, there was a a sub-zero that was 23 years old. And I actually thought it was new. It was just like in perfect working order, but it didn't, 
it didn't have all the modern bells and whistles and then eventually it died. So, yeah, I've had multiple 20 to 30 year old fridges and they are beasts. They were older. I think that actually the house I lived in when the kids were really little, I'm pretty sure that fridge was from like the seventies. Like it looked Mm -hmm. like it it called it the disco fridge. And it (laughs) was truly like, it looked like something my mom would have had when I was a little kid, but it was amazing. It was cold. It was big. And it just did exactly what we needed it to do. I just put it, more. This is the tagline of this episode. How about cold? How about that? How about just cold? How about just cold? Okay. Well, circling back to the actual food in our fridges, um, what when you look inside your fridge right now and in these pictures we're looking at, what do you feel kind of proud of? And then on the flip side, what makes you cringe a little bit? So the part that I was the the proudest of was when I realized that even though this was, we're recording this when I still am a week and a half out for my kids going back to school and I'm definitely not in like really that back to school mode yet. Yeah. Um, the produce, the amount of produce in there was great. I was, I felt really good about that. You could see that I've thought out my meals and I have enough veggies for each, you know, like it's, it's the right amount. It's mm-hmm. not too much. It's not crammed in so I can never find anything. Not all slimy and rotten. (laughs) No, it's not slimy. It's like ready to go. And there's relatively little food I feel bad about. And that also felt good to see. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow, there really isn't a lot of like food that's making me go, oof, do I really want that photographed? And I didn't like throw out a bunch of junk food. That that truly is. I did have some stuff I had to compile. Um, I had some meal kits that I had to kind of neaten up. Otherwise, you would never have been able to see what was in there. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't like chucking (laughs) <laughs> the stuff that I didn't want you guys to see. That was truly what was in there. Right. Another little thing that popped out um, was that in my produce um, drawer, it's kind of hard to see, but I've been remembering to use my reusable mesh bags. Oh, I see. Is it produce. all the way over on the right yeah. there? Is that I've what I'm looking lemons. at? I've got lemons in one and limes in one. And I mean, they're mesh, so they're hard okay. to see. And a lot of, for whatever reason, a lot of the produce I bought the last time I went was like prepackaged, which drives me nuts, but it's just how it is. Like yeah. broccoli heads often come, yeah. you know, grapes yeah. always come pre like yeah. I, there's my grocery store doesn't have a way to buy those without the packaging, yeah. but yes, all the way to the right. I think there's peppers in one and lemons and limes in one. Okay. And I'm also not above just buying, um, buying produce without putting it in any bag at all yeah, and letting sure. it roll around in the cart and just tossing it in. And that's something that it took me a while to get in the habit of remembering those but I'm very consistent about having them now. They don't always get used, but I've always got them. So that was like a win. Yeah. Um, I would say the cringe part was just looking at this and saying like, it doesn't make any sense to me the way I have things laid out. I, I really just, I don't feel like I, I feel like I'm missing the gene that tells me how to logically use a fridge and make it so that everyone can find what they want on the drawers where you can see all the condiments and stuff. I know that we've got everything like mustard, mayonnaise, uh, salad dressing. Um, but I've got three things of heavy cream and I know that's because I keep forgetting I have it and buying more. Um, I've got two, two or three things of jelly. Keep forgetting it. Keep buying more. Maybe I think I see two ketchup, a couple of like little single size orange juices. I don't even really know why I have those. And so the kids are always coming to me and being like, do we have jelly? Yes, we do. It's in there. And then I have to kind of find it because you, you kind of got to dig. Yeah. It's like, kind yeah. of, you know, I know what it looks like, but they don't. So it's like the lack of organization in there kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Well, I think that's a very, um, that's a good, like 
if that's the cringiest thing, I think you're doing pretty good. Um, I will throw out that tip of a small lazy Susan, which you can see in mine that has really helped with smaller jars, like jam jars and jelly jars um, and like little jars of garlic and stuff like that. And it hasn't, it doesn't take up too much space. And then do you just use the, do you use then the um, drawers on the sides for other things? Or is that just like, you mean like on in the doors? Yes. Mm, yeah. And the door shelves on my fridge are relatively big. I feel like if you yeah. look at it, you can see a small thing of like Grey Poupon for size, but that's probably the smallest thing that's over there because I think some smaller things might even get lost. They're pretty, um, they're pretty big door shelves. It seems like you could put like meat in there or like full, like there's, they're big, they're yeah. um, deep. Yes, they are. And deep. this is a, yeah. it's a very large fridge. So that is, yeah. you know, we're dealing with a, a large amount of space, which is nice. The little, I'm not even sure the way your drawers are, sorry to interrupt, but you know how the way your drawers, um, are on the sides of your refrigerator, how your condiments are full size condiments. It looks Mm -hmm. like, and they're lined up horizontal. I'm not even sure I could do that in my fridge. I don't think they would actually fit that way. Yeah. It's a, it's a beast. It's a very large fridge. Okay. Well, um, the, Small thing that made me feel proud when I looked at these pictures and thought about my fridge um, is one of those things that's it in and of itself. It's like a small detail, but it's really like an indicator that I have been spending more time in the kitchen and thinking about food prep. And that is a bowl of hard boiled eggs. So usually if I am able to uh, hard boil eight or 10 or 12 eggs, um, it means that I'm kind of thinking ahead mindfully about um, healthy snacks and having different protein options. Most of my family will eat a hard boiled egg, um, either just plain as a snack or Rita and I both really like egg salad and deviled eggs. And so it's that kind of like, you know, when you've talked about the kitchen hour and like spending time in your kitchen and that spending time in the kitchen begets more time in the kitchen and you end up doing little, little sort of nurturing things for your family. Um, a bowl of hard boiled eggs really means that I am on my game. It means I have enough eggs, first of all. So my grocery shopping is on point because I have enough to boil eight. And then I have taken the time to do that. And then, yeah. And then I eat them myself and use them for all kinds of things. So that was a little thing that I was proud of. I love thinking of, of the, uh, of any prepared, whatever it is for you as like the indicator that you're maybe, you know, you're in a more domestic place. Um, because I agree with hard boiled eggs. It's not like they're hard to make, but you do have to kind of stay, you have to stay nearby. You can't just like Uh leave the house or leave the room for extended period of time. And like you said, you have to have enough of them that you can spare some to hard boil. And sometimes if I don't have enough eggs, it's like, okay, so let's say I hard boil six. Am I going to be okay with only having two left in case I want to bake something or whatever? So it is, it is like a lot of different processes have to, even though it's a simple thing, a lot of going on that has to happen to make that the whole thing come together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my cringe was very similar to yours and I was just, it is duplicate items, like exact duplicates and having multiple of them open at the same time in the same fridge. And I will blame two factors on this one, because we have a very large fridge, it's easy to lose track of things. And it's easy to like literally think that you haven't opened something when in fact it's back there. So there's like three things of chocolate syrup. There's three mayos in there. There's two jars of very specific, like mini gherkin pickles. Um, there is like, I, I didn't open up for the photo, the deli drawer, but I know we have multiple open things of ham. 
Um, and this is also a factor. The other thing I'll blame it on is older kids who who um, help themselves to things more often, which, of course, is great because independence is great. But they are not always like they don't have the same eye for inventory management that I do. So right. it really is <laughs> a very nice way of yeah, putting that. Exactly. Yes. Like um, we they'll just go like, oh, I don't see any peanut butter. I'll open up another thing. And so we end up with multiples. And I think right now, end of summer, it's really, it is like over the top. There is a lot of duplication happening. Um, luckily most of them are things that we will go through and we, we will use them. They're not going to go bad or moldy, but it just irks me to, to have that kind of inefficiency. Um, and then, you know, I was going to say that I cringed when I saw all the soda in the garage fridge and how much ice cream and treats there are in the house freezer. And then what I actually want to comment on more is I am really trying the last several years to um, like to listen to my self-talk around applying judgments to the food that I buy in my own house. First of all, I did it. So it's not I'm not judging right. somebody else. I'm judging myself. It's like there's this gap between how I imagine feeding my family and how I am actually feeding my family. And I'm really trying to get rid of some of that negativity or like that there is a moral judgment at all about being in a season of life where I have soda in the garage fridge when we didn't used to buy soda at all. And I could explain why and when the kids are allowed to have it and all of that. But that is like almost irrelevant. It's sort of like the food that's in my house, I am lucky to have. And it's my choice about what I buy, our choice, Brian and I, about um, what we buy, how we serve it, what we look at as maybe a treat versus something that can be had anytime. And there's just no inherent moral value in a can of soda or like a, a moldy thing of cauliflower that went bad because we didn't use it. It's just it is just neutral. It's just food. So that is, yeah. um, that's just kind of the journey I am on. Um, but I did feel the need to mention, and this was cringy that, uh, when I opened everything up yesterday, there was uh, a giant head of what I'm going to call aspirational cauliflower. And I feel like many, was fruit- it a pretty color? <laughs> well, it had started to speckle on around the edges. Yeah. It was not a pretty color. It wasn't one of the purple or orange. No. Okay. It wasn't aspirational because of the color. It was no. just aspirational because you weren't ever going to make it. We bought it and thought we would use it and didn't. And, yeah. um, that how, like, I feel like every fridge has some some oh, broccoli absolutely. or cauliflower or Brussels sprout that you buy with high hopes. And then it just sits yep. there till it's time to throw it away. Um, I wanted to mention the, like judging your, fr- the contents of your fridge as some kind of evidence that that's the way your family eats all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually think when my kids were little and I was more, hmm, careful of their diets, uh, had more control over their diets if you had opened up my fridge, you would have seen more junk than you see now. And that's mm. because then I was in some way rationing it out. Yeah. Like it, yeah. you know, I might have a two liter of soda, but they only get a little cup on Friday nights with pizza or something yeah. like that, whatever it was. Now they're all in control of their own food. And what ends up staying in my fridge, that's just, that's not like they're buying all of their own food, but they can basically just eat what they want. I'm not yeah. really... I make a dinner, like I make a good dinner and I expect them to sit down and engage in that dinner. But otherwise it's not like I'm, um, setting rules around no, when they, they can, can go to Taco Bell after school if they exactly. want to. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of that's not happening on my watch anymore. Right. It doesn't, but that's so the fridge, 
It's almost like now the fridge is graduating into my version of mm-hmm. what I want a fridge for me to look like. Yeah. And they're along for the ride. But that doesn't mean that's how they're eating all the time. Well, right. Yes. It's, it's just yeah. happening outside outside <laughs> exactly. your four walls and yeah, exactly. the, the cold walls of your fridge. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, okay, well, it's almost time to wrap up, but we thought it would be fun to end with a lightning round because before we recorded, we were talking about those foods that people have very strong opinions about whether they like to keep them in the fridge or not in the fridge. And um, so I don't know. We have a a short list and I bet we're different on some of these. So I'm going to list them, Megan, and you tell me if you keep them in the fridge or not or free there. There may be uh, no, there's not a freezer one. It's all fridge. Are you ready? Yeah. And and I'm going to try to keep my editorializing at a, at a minimum, but I'll just do my best. We're not very good at lightning rounds. Every time we say we're, we're doing not, a lightning round, it's like, okay. <laughs> but I'm really going to try. Buckle up. I'm really going to try. Okay. Here's the first one. Peanut butter. Absolutely not the fridge ever. Gross. <laughs> Sorry. Was that too much? No. I keep my peanut butter in the fridge. Um, there we go. I don't understand that life choice, but okay. Okay. Um, butter. How do you spread it? Um, it's spreadable. The ones that I have kept in the fridge are fine as long as you mix them. Really? So I, I store them at room temperature before I open them. And then when I open them, I mix the oils in really well. Right now we use a Trader Joe's creamy peanut butter. It's a natural peanut butter. Um, but I already broke the rule. I wasn't supposed to ask questions or editorialize, but I just couldn't. I really am curious though, because I feel like cold peanut butter just rips the bread up, but okay. Yeah, ours is pretty Understood. spreadable. It's not a problem for you. Okay. Okay. It's not. Okay. What about butter? Um, fridge until like the most recent uh, stick is out on the countertop. So there's always, it's in the fridge, but then the one that's in play is out at room temperature. Okay. That's the same in our house. I have a butter dish on the counter um, and I keep the rest in the fridge and then I will add to the butter dish. And then when yeah. I fear that the butter dish is like, maybe has some butter that feels like too old, then I will like, you know, wash the whole thing. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, yeah I'm cool with countertop butter. Um, apples. Always um, countertop. I, I don't like cold apples on my teeth. Yes. I also am room temperature apples, although I think it's less about eating a cold apple and more of a storage thing. I have just, they, they do fine um, in a bowl on the table or the counter. So I am also room temperature. How about citrus fruit? Fridge, reluctantly, I mm. would like to be somebody who keeps my citrus out on the counter, but it just does not work for me. What, I don't know why it always why? goes bad. Oh, it goes bad. I don't know. It, it gets like moldy. Okay. Interesting. Um, we usually keep it on the counter unless we have like a half lime or half lemon that we've used in a cocktail or cooking or something. And then we'll just literally place the, the cut lime like right on the little lazy Susan in the fridge. I wonder if there's something about the climate where you are is more citrus oriented or the fact that you're getting super fresh citrus. I mean, I could probably, Uh, we go through lemons and limes pretty fast. I could probably leave them out for a couple of days, but every time I've tried to make that, like the thing I do, a lifestyle choice, pretty, yes. Like where (laughs) I try to have like a pretty bowl of citrus out, I just end up with a bunch of green rinds. Okay. We definitely, so we have so many oranges. I literally live on an old orange grove. So citrus around here is, it's like spoils of riches, whatever that term is. It's like, it's nobody even values it. Um, that's for the oranges. I still have to buy lemons and limes at the grocery store right now. We don't have a tree. So those I treat a little bit differently, but oranges, 
I keep in a bowl and then if and when they go moldy, it literally doesn't matter. They're going moldy like outside as they fall off the tree. So it's a it's a mindset thing. But the, I, I that definitely is not in, within days. So I do wonder if um, ours is just fresher or something. Yeah, could be. How about stone fruit? We're coming out of summer. But if you had yeah. peaches, plums, nectarines. I am not a big fan. I very rarely buy them. Oh, interesting. if I were to buy them. Isn't that because there's so many like Eric's yard, speaking of a bounty, is, oh. he's got peach trees just and pear trees oh, or nectarine trees that are just loaded. And I don't care for them that much. Okay. I'll eat them like in a pie, but I don't, it would never occur to me to just like eat a peach. And okay. I've always been that way. Um, so I don't really buy them very often, but if I did, eh, they'd probably go in the fruit bowl, the fruit bowl that's yeah. sitting out on the table. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll last longer in the fridge, but they taste better. At room temperature, which is probably true of most fruit. Um, actually like though a cold cut up peach or a pear. I know that's not a stone fruit, but sometimes those fruits that get softer really fast, mm -hmm. um, it will help with the over ripening if you can, you know, employ the fridge. But it sounds like both you and I keep most of our fruit at room temperature. I prefer room temperature fruit when Me possible. too. When I go to my parents' house, it's like there's all these apples. And oranges and different things in the fridge. And I forget it exists. I'm like, yeah, mine's pretty much all out. Well, in the, this is a fruit extension. How about tomatoes? So I very rarely purchase like regular sized tomatoes unless I'm going to make something with them. Cause we're just not like big on slicing up a beefsteak tomato okay. and eating it. Um, if I were to, for some reason, I would have it out, but I'd probably buy two or three and they'd be out like on the, in the windowsill or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Now, the one exception for me is I do very often buy grape tomatoes. And for some reason, I keep those in the fridge and I don't know why. Oh, yeah. They feel like they should be in the fridge. I think. And that's I've, illogical. It, it, you're right. But I think I've done the same over the years. But um, we get most, if we get tomatoes, it's often in the farm box. So we're eating them mostly just seasonally. And I keep them yeah. out. They're on, um, they're like above the sink. Um, and we do buy the slicing ones for burgers and sandwiches. So. Um, but I think I've done the same with grape and cherry tomatoes of keep those in the fridge for no reason. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, how about I wrote bagels, but I would open this up to any other bread products. Are there any bread products that you routinely keep in the refrigerator? Okay. So this is funny. Just the other day I bought bagels out of the refrigerator section because I had already gone by the bread section. Usually I would just pick them up in the bread section, okay. but there's like one brand and I think it's lenders. That's always in the fridge section. Okay. And I got it home and then I was like, so wait, now do I have to keep these in the fridge? And I read all over the package and nowhere on the package does it say it needs to be refrigerated. So I truly think it is a merchandising choice okay. by the company. Probably keeping it with the um, cream cheese is very smart. Yeah. And so I had a mini rebellion where I said, just because I bought this, out of the refrigerator doesn't mean I have to follow your rules. They're all going to be gone in a day anyway. Who cares? Yeah. So the long, that was the long answer. The short answer is bread always goes on the, on the countertop for me. Yeah. It's always room temperature. Yeah. So I think we got into a hybrid pattern because when shopping Trader Joe's, they're very careful about their use of any preservatives, which is wonderful, but a lot of their bread products, and I would include tortillas, bagels, hamburger buns. They just don't stay fresh very long. Now, if you pop some hamburger buns in the fridge, they're going to dry out, but they won't get moldy. 
So it's kind of like it's a each product decision based on how soon are we going to eat this and are we going to toast it or do something to it that will liven it back up again? Right. Um, in which case, I do often keep bread, bagels, and hamburger buns in the fridge because I hate when stuff gets moldy. And I think Trader Joe's, for all the things I love about it, their bread products tend to go moldy pretty quickly, much more quickly than if you're used to buying like mainstream grocery store brands. And I think it is the absence of preservatives, which is great. Um, yeah. So I think makes o- sense. over the years, it's been a bit of a hybrid, but we actually um, keep a lot of loaves of bread in the garage fridge and we will have bread. We're very bread secure because it's in the yes. fridge. So, but I, I agree if it's fresh and you're going to eat it, it's probably best out on the counter. Well, and one thing that I've been trying to do, and we've talked about how my, this is like an older kids and especially an older kids that are with their dad half the time thing. I don't think it would be easy for a, a family like in your situation to do this just yet, but I'm just trying to get better at having just one of something. Yeah. Like I don't need four different kinds of bread yeah. on hand at all times. Um, the, the kids can still be bread secure. <laughs> Even if it's just one kind Uh, or like tortillas, do I need four different kinds of tortillas or can I just have one? Uh, So that's something I do think that that reduces some of that need to refrigerate because something might go bad. If this is the only one there is to eat, the kids will eventually just eat it. I know. And I really would like to move toward that as well. So I, I aspire to that. Um, Okay. Well, this was really fun. We did fail on the lightning round. So let that be a lesson to us that we can't do them, but that's okay. No. We need another name. What's slower than lightning? Like still moving kind of quick, but not as fast as lightning. I don't know. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us. We do have a more than mom episode coming up this Sunday. So come back and join us for that. And we will talk to you soon. Talk to you very soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.